I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotel's family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Looking to part ways with complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping? Then give your business the edge it needs with USPS Ground Advantage Shipping from the United States Postal Service. Keep everything simple with clear upfront pricing and no unexpected surcharges. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there. And keep it all reliable with on-time ground shipments. It's time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. So, uh, Tracy... <laughs> I talk all the time about how much I love Queen Victoria. That is true. And how I'm a little afraid to do an episode about Queen Victoria because I know I will be a fangirl and I will be totally unable to be objective. It's you have said this. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. Uh, it is a problem for a woman that keeps a picture of Queen Victoria with her at all times. <laughs> It's like my little good luck charm. I know luck isn't real, uh, but I still love it. But today we're going to go ahead and dive in. And I figured the best way that I could maybe do a Queen Victoria episode without getting super duper gushy about it would be to talk about one of the major missteps in Victoria's early reign. And this may even be one that you know about in passing. It is about uh, Lady Flora Hastings and kind of what happened with her and Queen Victoria. But one thing that really came to light as I was talking about this, because uh, I was traveling this weekend and I was mentioning that the, it was what I was going to work on with friends. And they know some of the parts of it, but they really don't know 
kind of the icky ways some of this played out and really what the ramifications were in terms of the political landscape. So we are going to talk about the Lady Hastings affair. You'll sometimes also seen it listed as the Lady Hastings scandal or the Flora Hastings scandal or any number of variations on those words. But that is what we're covering today. So to begin... In 1834, Lady Flora Hastings began her appointment as an attendant to the Duchess of Kent. This was three years before Victoria would become queen. She was basically walking into a powder keg. She really was, because at this point, Victoria was 15, and she was angry, she was rebellious, and she was unhappy. So she was a teenager, is what you're telling me. Oh, but a teenager with extra layers. Uh, she, <laughs> she was at odds with her mother, uh, Princess Victoria of Sex. Coburg Saffeld, the Duchess of Kent, who we just mentioned. And the Duchess of Kent and her comptroller, Sir John Conroy, who, uh, if you listen to the episode where I was on, uh, Stuff Mama Never Told You, and we talked about Queen Victoria, we talked about him a lot, uh, they were notoriously controlling of the girl who would eventually be queen. Victoria hated them for this, and she was much closer to her governess, the Baroness Lezen, and Conroy and the Duchess resented Lezen because of it. So they brought in Lady Flora. She was intended, although this was really naively on her part, to serve as kind of a wedge between Lazen and Victoria. Conroy and the Duchess wanted Flora to be a companion for their teenage charge, and Victoria, as a consequence, was really suspicious of the young woman who was suddenly introduced into their household. And Lady Flora Hastings was from a Tory family. And this was in contrast to Queen Victoria and Prime Minister Lord Wel- Lord Melbourne, who was a Whig, who was her primary advisor once she became queen. And because Flora was really not welcomed by Victoria, her role pretty much became lady-in-waiting to the Duchess of Kent. In December 1838, Lady Flora went to Scotland to visit her family. Sir Conroy accompanied her, and throughout the trip, She just wasn't well. She had this abdominal pain and swelling. In January, so this was after the holidays in 1839, Conroy and Lady Hastings returned to Buckingham Palace. Flora's discomfort at this point was so great that she consulted with Sir James Clark, who was the physician who normally treated Victoria and the Duchess of Kent. Dr. Clark prescribed a camphor opium liniment and rhubarb and ipecac pills for the young woman's Maladies, And unsurprisingly, this did not actually do much to help her out. At this point, the condition had become really chronic. It had been plaguing her for weeks. And this is probably where we should note that Sir James Clark had begun his medical career as a Navy surgeon. Women's bodies were by no means an area of expertise for him. And he often spoke of his approach to medicine as being one in which urgent matters were attended to quickly and less urgent and potentially more complicated matters were put off a little bit to see how they developed so that he could get a clearer picture. So that camphor and rhubarb and the uh, liniment and pills option were likely all part of more of a putting off kind of thing than a real attempt to try to remedy the problem. Lady Flora thought that either he didn't understand her illness or he just wasn't paying attention to her descriptions of her symptoms. Yeah, in her writing, you can tell she's like, I don't think this doctor is really listening to me, uh, which is something we certainly all deal with sometimes in modern society. So uh, this has been going on for a long time. Uh, 
Clark had felt her abdomen over her dress, but that was the only physical examination of the patient that took place. Clark did ask to examine her without her stays, without her corsetry, but Lady Flora did not agree to that. So he had only that cursory examination of her abdomen to go on as far as diagnosis. And he did notice that there was something odd, but he couldn't get any more information about it. So, as is often the case with chronic conditions, she had good days and bad days, and there were even times when she thought she was recovering. At one point, Hamilton Fitzgerald, who was Lady Flora's uncle, got a letter from her in which she mentioned that getting a little exercise through walking seemed to really be helping her. She reported that her strolls were reducing both the the swelling and the pain that was accompanying it. And if you don't know this story and what's going to happen, you might be thinking right about now that a phantom pain and abdominal swelling might indicate a pregnancy. And if that's where your mind went, you would be thinking very similarly to members of Queen Victoria's household and court. So we're going to talk about how this evolved into a scandal and Queen Victoria's part in all that. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from a sponsor. Alrighty. Uh, hey, it's not really anything I keep under the rug that I sew and I sew a lot. You do so much. And I like to talk about sewing. So I have my own sewing blog, uh, and I set that up on Squarespace and it made it so super simple. So now, especially, uh, I have blogged on other sewing sites before, like professionally as a freelance job. And I have to say, uploading blogs for them was always a little bit arduous. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. But with Squarespace, it is super duper easy. And I can just churn out a blog. It's pretty much as easy as writing it and putting my pictures there and I'm done. I don't have to futz with anything. I don't have to worry about HTML. I don't have to worry about formatting. It just the templates make it all super easy. And everything always looks really clean and really consistent, which I love love, 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 love. Uh, it's simply an easier way to do the whole thing. The sites that you make on Squarespace, they look professional and really, really nice. And I still will crow about how much I love their scalability. I get such a thrill when I look at my site or check up on something on my phone and it looks absolutely beautiful and not the least bit janky because they really know what they're doing. As I said, you don't need to know any coding. It is super intuitive. The tools are easy to use. When I first started, there were a few stumbling blocks just because I didn't know the format. And then I realized they have fabulous video tutorials for a lot of the projects that you would need to do, like something as simple as uploading an image and making sure it's centered. They'll walk you right through it, and then you know it like... You've always known it. It's fantastic. Also, you're going to get a free domain if you sign up for a year with them. And if you already have a domain you love, integrating it could not be easier. I say that from experience. Uh, so start your free trial site today. Go to squarespace.com. And when you decide that you want to sign up and keep that Squarespace site going, make sure to use the offer code HISTORY to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, you should. So to get back to Queen Victoria and Lady Flora's story, uh, the young queen herself was quite drawn in by the possibility of a scandalous out-of-wedlock pregnancy. So the young queen herself, again, Victoria had taken the throne uh, three years after Flora had come into the household, and this was uh, roughly five years after she'd come into the household. So she'd been queen for a little while at this point. 
Uh, she was quite drawn in by the possibility of a scandalous out-of-wedlock pregnancy. And she actually wrote in her journal on February 2nd of 1839 that Flora's swollen abdomen looked suspicious and that all of the ladies of the court had come to the same conclusion she had, that Lady Flora must be with child. And cast in the role of father in this perceived scandal was, of course, the man that Victoria already detested, her mother's comptroller, Sir John Conroy. Rumors started circulating throughout Buckingham Palace. Lady Flora's name basically was being dragged through the mud in all kinds of whispers behind people's fans and exchanging of knowing glances. Eventually, the rumors and the murmurs got so pervasive that Sir Charles Clark was once again involved. And when he visited with Flora, Clark was quite plain. He explained that all of the ladies of the court were convinced that she was pregnant and that she must be secretly married or that maybe she should be secretly married if she was with child. He pressed Flora to confess what many believed to be the reality of her situation. It seemed at this point that even he really thought she probably was pregnant and that might have been why she didn't want him to examine her a few weeks prior. But for her part, Lady Flora was utterly horrified by the accusation and she denied it vehemently. The doctor told her that if she was steadfast in this assertion of her innocence, the only thing that was going to truly clear her name would be a full medical examination to ascertain the status of her womb. This was something of an ultimatum, the this recommendation of a physical exam. Until Lady Flora was proven by a doctor not to be carrying a child, Queen Victoria would not allow her in court. Yeah, this is kind of like... uh I. I was talking to our colleague, Julie Douglas, about this, and she was saying, like, this is sort of the ultimate kind of modern high school clique, but on a level we can't even deal with because it is royalty and court and matters of politics. But it's similar stuff. Um, and all of this was, of course, tied up with Victoria's disdain for her mother. Not having her attendant lady-in-waiting on hand would make the Duchess of Kent's life more difficult. And moreover, if Flora looked bad, the Duchess of Kent looked bad, and Victoria was kind of in favor of that. So the Duchess was basically given the exact same ultimatum. She needed to convince Lady Flora Hastings to submit to an examination, or she would just have to prepare to do without her lady-in-waiting whenever she was at court. The Duchess was naturally distressed, both for her own station as well as for the reputation of Lady Flora. So she advised this young woman that it would be best if she would simply give in and let the doctor perform a more thorough examination to clear her name and put an end to all of these rumors. And the Duchess of Kent interceding did the trick. Lady Flora finally agreed to the exam, although she did so under the condition that a Hastings family friend, who was also an experienced doctor, Sir Charles Clark, would also be present. So yes, just to make this confusing for you, that is another doctor named Clark. Uh, and Lady Flora's maid, as well as another lady of the court, were also present throughout the exam. The two doctors made a joint statement after the exam. Quote, we have examined with great care the state of Lady Flora Hastings with a view to determine the existence or non-existence of pregnancy. And in our opinion, although there is enlargement of the stomach, there are no grounds for suspicion that pregnancy does exist or has ever existed. But unfortunately, the rumors did not end with that statement. 
they mostly were checking to see if she was a virgin at that point. And so the doctor that Lady Hastings had insisted be a participant in this exam, Sir Charles Clark, had apparently mentioned in sort of an offhand way to Prime Minister Lord Melbourne that there were rare cases where a woman could be pregnant despite appearing to be a virgin. And that one little remark was really all Melbourne needed because he was convinced that this must be the case in Lady Flora's condition as well. He shared this opinion with Queen Victoria, but the young ruler had read the report that the doctors made. She had read it herself, and she really wasn't quite ready to take Lord Melbourne's opinion as a medical fact. And so the queen summoned Lady Flora to visit her, but the lady-in-waiting sent a reply that she was too ill to do so at that time. Several days later, though, she did feel well enough, uh, and she went to see Victoria. So the queen's opinion was that she did actually look very ill. So Victoria and Lady Hastings made up, and they agreed to put this whole affair behind them. But while the two women may have made a sort of peace with one another... Lady Flora's family, Tories, who saw the whole thing as a shameful mark against Melbourne and the Queen as some sort of Whig propaganda, uh, and Sir John Conroy were simply not ready to leave the matter alone. And really, Lady Flora wasn't entirely either. She sort of fanned the flames of this unrest around the matter when she wrote her uncle complaining that her honor had really been questioned in a really rude way, although she did not place blame on Victoria at this point for the gossip that had stained her reputation. Lady Flora's brother, Lord Hastings, was particularly angry about the way his sister had been treated. He was intent on challenging Melbourne to to a duel, and he placed the blame for the rumors squarely on the head of the prime minister. After the two men met, though, Lord Hastings was convinced that Melbourne had attempted to keep the matter as quiet as he could. So instead of looking for a duel, he instead asked to have an audience with the queen. And in this request... Lord Melbourne really did everything he could to block Lord Hastings. He really didn't want him speaking to Queen Victoria about the matter. And eventually Hastings gave up on waiting to see the Queen. But he did write a really angry letter to Melbourne expressing how insulted he was, how poorly their family had been treated, and that he still intended to get to the bottom of who it was that started these terrible rumors about Flora. Lady Flora herself came to the conclusion that it was Baroness Lazen, Victoria's beloved and trusted friend, who had started this whole scandal. Flora wrote a letter to her uncle that implicated both Lazen and Lady Portman, who was one of the Queen's ladies, as the villains of this whole affair. She signed off that letter with, quote, I wish you to know the truth and nothing but the truth, and you are welcome to tell it right and left. And tell it he did. He sent her letter to the press for publication. Also published was a back and forth between Dower Marchioness of Hastings, that's Lady Flora's mother, and Lord Melbourne, in which Melbourne rebuffed the matriarch's demand that Sir James Clark be removed from his post as doctor in the royal household. Similarly rejected were Flora's mother's demands that the culprit in this scandal be identified officially. All that correspondence was printed in the Morning Post, and the affair transitioned from being the talk of the court to the talk of all of London, and it made Queen Victoria and Lord Melbourne look very, very bad to the public. It basically made them look like a couple of uncaring bullies who had victimized a young girl for the crime of being the Duchess of Kent's lady-in-waiting. Yeah, they really were perceived to just have been complete jerks to this poor young woman just because she worked for Victoria's mother, who they detested. 
And Melbourne seemed to dismiss all of this hubbub as nothing more than idle gossip. But Queen Victoria was incensed. It really got to her. She felt that she had made amends with Lady Flora. And from her point of view, the Hastings family was stirring the pot needlessly after she felt like she and Flora had worked it all out. And when the Duchess of Kent took up Lady's, Lady Flora's side in the matter as this whole you know, rumor mill continued to happen. It was like throwing gasoline on a fire. Victoria was absolutely livid and a serious tension was kind of ever present in the palace at this point as the two sides quietly seethed at one another because everyone divided on either siding with Victoria and Melbourne or with Lady Hastings. To make matters worse, the queen insisted that Flora's illness, which really, I mean, this has been going on for a while She insisted it was just some passing ailment and not anything serious, although the lady-in-waiting was plainly getting worse every day. The Duchess of Kent was extremely frank in sharing her belief that Flora was, in fact, mortally ill. And so earnest was the Duchess of Kent's position on Lady Flora's health that Melbourne finally became convinced that things were quite serious, and it genuinely terrified him. Although it did not seem so much that he was worried about Flora, but he knew that if she died, her death was going to make both him and Queen Victoria look even worse than they already did. He urged the Queen to make an effort to check up on Lady Flora because, as he put it, quote, it shows feeling. So at first, Victoria was completely unmoved by these pleas to offer some kind of kindness to Lady Flora, but her mind did eventually change. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but first we're going to take another brief break to talk about one of our awesome sponsors. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs, and if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So when word was finally sent by another doctor, this time Sir William Chambers, that the Queen should postpone a ball that was scheduled for June 26th of 1839 out of respect for the seriousness of Lady Flora's condition, Victoria heeded his word. She did cancel the event and, finally realizing that things were indeed very serious, planned to visit Lady Flora that very day. And remember, this is June and this had been going on since January. So she had been just ill for, at this point, almost half of the year. However, at this point, Lady Flora just wasn't feeling well enough for visitors. The next day, the Queen did visit, and she instantly was sobered up to the gravity of the situation. She wrote in her diary that Lady Flora appeared, quote, literally like a skeleton, but the body very much swollen like a person who is with child, a searching look in her eyes, a look rather like a person who is dying. And the two women really spoke only briefly. According to Victoria's writings, Lady Flora told her that she had been grateful for all that the Queen had done for her. And Victoria said that she hoped to see Lady Flora again when she was feeling better. And at that point, Flora, who clearly understood what was going on with her health, said that they were not going to see each other again. On July 5th, 1839, at just after 2 a.m., Lady Flora Hastings died in her bedroom in Buckingham Palace. Her brother was with her, as was his wife, and Queen Victoria's mother, the Duchess of Kent, was there as well. And when Lady Flora's body was examined by Sir Benjamin Brody, who was a well-respected surgeon of the time, he found that Flora was indeed a virgin right up until her death, and he also found a significant tumor on her liver. The press had a field day publishing opinions about how guilty Victoria should have felt over the death of the innocent Lady Flora, who had been subjected to such nasty treatment by the Queen's gossipy court. Privately, Victoria was outraged over this, 
pointing out that she had not killed the girl. Public opinion about the queen was definitely soured by this entire scandal. And as she traveled in her carriage throughout London for the remainder of that summer, she was often hissed at openly and booed. And men would refuse to raise their hats as she passed. And at some point, people would even shout Mrs. Melbourne after the carriage uh, because they felt that she had been so heavily influenced by Melbourne's belief that Lady Flora had been pregnant, even though in that initial examination by the two doctors, she had appeared to be a virgin. Pamphlets circulated the streets of London, detailing the evil and nefarious influences Victoria held close in her cabinet. They called out Baroness Lazen as a foreigner and Sir James Clark as a worthless physician. Basically, everybody who was close to the Queen wound up being smeared in some way, and by extension, the Queen was as well. When the royal mourning carriage was sent to Lady Flora's funeral services, a police guard attended it because Melbourne was so afraid of an attack. Uh, there was no serious attack. There were perhaps some stones thrown, but it was not a major situation. Uh, the Hastings family also returned the money that Queen Victoria sent to Lady Flora's maid. And the blinds of the Hastings family's Scotland residences were always closed whenever the queen was in the country for several years afterward. So Queen Victoria was in the midst of a really dark time. This constant criticism of her behavior toward Lady Flora deeply affected her. And even though she claimed to feel no guilt in the matter, really odds are that her conscience was eating away at her. She said that if she had just been a regular person, she would have run away and left the country. And Lord Melbourne was also knocked down a few pegs in all of this. He really did come around to feeling that he had handled things very poorly in a couple of different ways. Uh, one, in not shifting the blame for the whole matter squarely on the Queen's ladies in order to protect the monarch, which he felt was part of his duty. And he felt guilty for having advised Victoria poorly. And hopefully he felt guilty for his part in spreading horrible rumors. The Lady Hastings scandal was really one of Victoria's greatest missteps in her early reign, both because she had treated this young woman quite poorly and because she had handled the matter very poorly in a political sense. It took her quite a while and her getting married to Albert to really live down the damage that was done to her image during this whole scandal. Yeah, thankfully, uh, you know, Albert kind of uh, gave Queen Victoria a much needed layer of thoughtfulness and calm, I think, uh, you know, he became a sounding board for her. And she did have a little bit of a temper and to have someone around that was so close to her that she could kind of talk things through with, I think, really helped her as she moved on through her career as queen. But yeah, the Lady Hastings scandal, it's heartbreaking because there were a lot of people hurt and damaged in the whole thing when it was really completely not what anybody thought it was. Well, and like with the state of medical care and surgery where they were at the time, it's it's extremely unlikely that even if they had correctly detected what was the matter, that they could have done anything about it. Like, it's, yeah. it's extremely unlikely that a different course of events would have saved her life, but a different course of events definitely would have made her last months less horrible. Right? Like, how sad that she was dying and she was having to write all these letters about how she was being treated and, you know, and trying to, to submit, figure out who yeah. had done it. Oh, and to, uh, yeah, and to go through an and ultimatum medical exam. to submit to these examinations. Exam. Yeah. yeah. It's bad. So I love you, Victoria, but that one was ugly. Uh, you did some bad things along with the good things, and I can acknowledge that. 
Uh, I'm only laughing at my own ridiculousness, certainly not at the horribleness of someone dying. Uh, I do have some more peppy listener mail, though, that we can switch to. Oh, good. If you're game. I actually have two things. One is uh, a lovely holiday card we got, and it came from so far away that it got here a little bit late, but I love it. Uh, it is both a beautiful card and a postcard, and they are from St. Petersburg, Russia. It says, hello, Holly and Tracy. I really like your podcast. I'm writing to wish you Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. Today is 25th of December, so probably you'll get this letter by the end of January, which is correct. We did. Well, better late than never, as we say in Russia. We say that here as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to your new podcasts, best podcasts, best wishes, Ekaterina from Russia. And she also sent us a beautiful holiday card and she translated it for us because it is in Russian. And it's, she says, uh, it says best wishes from Father Frost. Good job podcasting. You are cool. Thank you for your show. Uh, it's so pretty and I super love it. Thank you for sending us that. What a wonderful treat to get a, a small parcel from so far across the globe. Uh, the other one that I have is an email that we received from our listener, Caroline, and it is actually going back a bit to our history of peanut butter. Uh, she says, I just finished listening to your podcast on peanut butter. I realized I hadn't had peanut butter in years and had to go out and buy some. The ecological crunchy kind that I had to stir, she says with a smiley face. I love old ads and they can tell us so much of the social history of previous eras. And your podcast made me think of the one that she attached. It's a, she attached the photograph and then she translated for us. It's from 1960, advertised in Donald Duck magazine. It's in Norwegian, but the text reads, and this is her own translation, power food for riotous rascals. Healthy kids have a vitality that can take the breath away from any adult. They need plenty of calories. Therefore, you should give the kids Mills peanut butter on their sandwiches. Nutritious and super tasty topping, just right for children's taste buds. Mills peanut butter is a natural product made from freshly roasted peanuts without any added sugar. When it comes to calories, Mills peanut butter is on level with our most valuable sandwich toppings. Other than the focus on healthy calories, she says, and the picture of the blonde, blue-eyed boys, yes, this is also a cliche in Scandinavia. We do not actually look like that. Uh, I like to note that the product was so new that they had not yet come up with the Norwegian name for the product and that they had to point out on the label that it was, in fact, a sandwich spread. I hope this ad brought some joy to you. Thank you for the wonderful podcast. It really did. I loved it. I I love the... Um the old school kind of health and vitality advertising of a lot of foods. And that one is spectacular. So thank you so much, Caroline. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can do that at history podcast at howstuffworks.com. You can also connect with us at facebook.com slash missed in history on Twitter at missed in history on pinterest.com slash missed in history at missed and on Instagram at missed in history. You can basically connect with us anywhere. If you go online and search Missed in History, you will bring up a lot of our social as well as our website, which is mistinhistory.com, where you can check out our archives of every episode that's ever happened, show notes for every episode Tracy and I have worked on, as well as a variety of other goodies. You can also visit our parent site, which is howstuffworks.com. So we encourage you to come and visit us at mistinhistory.com and howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. I used to have so many men. 
how this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich men Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 